You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 167. In this episode, I'm speaking to Shah Vasmund about creating your own opportunities. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Shah Vasmund, who is an international best-selling author and award-winning businesswoman. Her first book, Stop Talking, Start Doing, was the number one best-selling book in the UK for 14 months in a row, breaking all records. Shah's experience is incredibly diverse, as you will hear in this podcast, and she is a big believer in creating your own opportunities. By going to signal.com forward slash 167, you'll find links to Shah and the show notes of this episode. I'm so excited to be here with Shia Vasmund, who I kind of known <laughs> through the internet for a long time, and I've been waiting to meet her in person. Thank you for being on the show, Shia. Uh, welcome. Yeah, I'm really excited. I know it's taken us a while to kind of put it all together and fix it up, but yeah, we're here. We're here. Looking forward to it. So I think it was 2014, just before Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. And I were working together with a coach from the UK, and your name came up. And I had not heard about you. Shame on me, of course. No, 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 don't be silly. I'm sure there's thousands of people listening to this who are thinking, who would I the Shah woman? Yes. So they will know all about you very soon. And uh, she told me that you had an online course on Groupon. And I was like, what? And I saved the link and I was sharing this with also my clients. You see, this is another way to sell a course. And I was like, this is so smart. And then I went to your website, your Facebook page, and actually you accepted my friend request, even if you had no idea who I was. I think we were together in uh, some Facebook groups, so maybe. Yeah, we were, and we had a couple of people. Uh, I always look at who our mutual friends are. And yeah. we had a couple of mutual friends, so that's good for me. <laughs> but how did that come about? Before we dive into your whole story, I just want to clear this Groupon thing up so I'm not losing sleep over it. Okay, so I mean, the truth is, is how I started this business. So I've only been in this business that I run today for three years. So uh, prior to this, I had much more of a corporate kind of background and career, although I've done loads of other things too. And I knew that I wanted to, I've always known that I've wanted to write books and speak and run workshops and teach. It's really been kind of my passion pretty much my whole life. And I've always done it in one capacity or another, but I just, I think I didn't really have the balls to jump or dive headfirst in until a few years ago. And then what I did, and that's a story in itself, which I'll tell you how I got into this. I'm not sure if you know, know that story, but when I did, I thought, okay, well, how am I gonna make money? And I thought, well, I can teach people how to set up a business and I can teach people how to make money online, because that's what I know how to do. But how am I gonna find my customers? Where are they? I don't know, just like really weird set of circumstances. I got introduced to somebody at Groupon and they were saying, oh, well, we're looking for some new online courses. And I said, okay, well, 
I didn't really understand. And I said, oh, no, I'm not sure my brand. Now I'm not sure I want my brand on Groupon. Oh, no. Like, I was really, like, kind of a little bit snobbish thinking, no, that doesn't really work for me, right? That's not my thing. And then they said, well, you know what? We might sell 10,000 of your courses. And I said, what, like, over a year? And they said, no, we might do that in a month. And I was like, uh, how much? And they said, well, you know, the, our price point would be 29,000, but 29 pounds, but you'd take 50%. And I was like, oh, okay, so I can make 13,000 pounds without having to find any sales, without having to do any of the work. Mm, that sounds quite good. But the killer for me was this. They said that you own the customer so that when a customer buys from Groupon, they become your customer. So you get all the customer data. That's how we grew the business. That's the truth. That's fantastic because actually if you go through Amazon or anywhere else, they own the customer. They own the customer. Through Groupon, you own the customer and it made a massive difference for us. Massive, massive difference. What a smart way to start your business. Okay, now that's cleared up. Now I cannot lose sleep over this anymore. (laughs) And we go back. I actually was Googling you, of course, to prepare for this talk today. And I found an interview with you from 1994. Oh my God, I can't imagine what I was saying. Oh my God. It probably wasn't actually that much different. I probably looked different, but I don't think, I doubt very much that I said anything that much different. No, it felt like you. It felt like the person that I've been following for a couple of years now. But it was interesting. The article ended up uh, that something like, yeah, we'll see how it looks like in a few years. It was almost like they didn't, they felt you were a bit like, uh, you know, not sure you would turn everything into gold that you touch. I was hustling before anybody used the word hustle. So back in 1994, I was just the same as as I am now. And I would say, well, you know, I'm just foretelling the future. Like, I know what I'm going to do, and this is what's going to happen, and I'm going to do it. But back then, people were, like, a little bit skeptical of people saying stuff like that because that whole hustle mentality didn't exist back then. They were like, yeah, but you've never done this before. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've never, like, worked in boxing before. Well, that didn't stop me, and I've never done this before. And, like... What difference is it make? I'm just going to figure it out. I think we all have that attitude now. It's like, okay, like, I don't know how to do it, but I know I can. I just need to figure out who can teach me so I can get there. And I've always been like that. So back in 94, yeah, I was hustling before the word even kind of came into our consciousness. So the article said that uh, you became an assistant to a boxer. How did that happen? Okay, a very long story short. I won a competition to write for Cosmopolitan magazine. I stole some of their letter-headed paper from the editor's office whilst I was waiting for her to turn up. And I wrote this boxer. He was this, the super middleweight champion of the world, uh, Chris Eubank, at the time. And I wrote him a letter pretending that Cosmopolitan magazine had commissioned me to interview him. And he agreed to the interview. And then I thought, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? So I had to go back to the editor and I had to confess what I'd done. And again, to cut a very long story short, because that could take up a whole podcast in itself, I got the interview and he offered me a job and I ended up co-promoting, helping uh, do all of the PR and promotions for the biggest fight that ever took place in the UK. And I was just 21. And that's how I then got more involved in boxing. I worked with Don King. I became the only licensed female boxing manager in the world. I managed boxers. I did co-promotions with Don King out in Florida. And uh, yeah, like, again, I was hustling way back when I was... And I had an economics degree from the London School of Economics and all my friends were going to work for Citibank and JP Morgan. And I was thinking to myself, oh my God, I literally cannot think of anything worse than having to go and work in a bank. I don't want to do that. And from there, you started your own business. 
Yep, I did. From there, I started my own business. And again, I mean, it sounds like I'm making this up sometimes, but I have just been, you know, I've had some terrible tragedies in my life, but I've also had some incredible opportunities. And one of those opportunities was that I met the uh, legendary Sir James Dyson of the vacuum cleaner, of Bagless vacuum cleaner fame, before anybody had ever even heard of him. He was working around his kitchen table um, and we met for a chance encounter. He offered me a job and I spent five years building the Dyson brand, starting around the kitchen table, went to the States, Australia, set the business up out there. James wrote the forward to my first book, Stop Talking, Start Doing. Um, so I'm so grateful for people who literally gave me opportunities way before I could prove that I was worthy of them. Yeah, but do you think, some people call this luck, but I am not a big believer in luck. You get these opportunities, but have you not somehow done something that they appear in front of you? Yeah, I've just finished my fourth book and I've got a whole section in it called Don't Call Me Lucky. Because yeah. I... <laughs> Perfect. Don't call me lucky. As Gary Vee says, you can keep that luck shit in your own pocket because it doesn't apply to me. So what I do believe in and where I do think luck comes into it is that we can create our own luck. And we create our own luck by working hard, by being kind. Like this is such an important thing, by being a kind, decent person. Now, I think that in this society, I just don't think we recognize enough how important this is and, and how easily people overlook it. And I'm not saying this like dismissively or, or kind of sanctimoniously, be nice, be kind. Actually, I think it's just absolutely crucial. And We're not all going to get it right. We can all have the best intentions. And some days I might be a complete bitch, but I don't know, I've just had a really bad day over here and some poor person over here gets, we're human. But on the whole, if we strive every day just to be a kind, decent person, to not stab people in the back, to not do things just for the money, to, to really have good motives for what you're doing and why you're doing it, it actually really does come back to you. And so when I think about creating luck, I think it's a combination of all of these things. And the other thing that luck is, is actually putting yourself out there. Like if I hadn't stolen the letter-headed paper, now I'm not saying people should steal things, but what I am saying is that you should steal opportunities in the sense that you should create them. And I saw an opportunity and I created it and then I had to live up to it. And now the thing with James Dyson is this, I can't say that I didn't create that opportunity. I didn't, it came to me. But what I will say is this, is that When that opportunity came to me, I grabbed it with both hands. Like I grabbed it with both hands. And I was very, very clear that I was going to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, three, six, five, if that's what it took to over deliver on his expectations of me. Because back then I had no responsibilities. I was in my early 20s. And I'm sorry, but if you can't hustle in your early 20s, if you really genuinely think that in your early 20s you can take 17 weeks holiday a year, you're really mistaken. Life does not work like that. And don't be mistaken for thinking that I now mean at this point in my life with a 12-year-old son that I work 24-7-365. Hell no. Today, I take 17 weeks holiday a year and some. And I never miss a school play. I never miss anything. But that's because I paid my dues early on. You know, in order to have that time off, you actually have to work for it up front. And so back then, I thought to myself, this guy, James Dyson, has given me this incredible opportunity How am I going to over-deliver? How am I going to be like indispensable to him? And I think the proof is in the pudding that many years later, many years after I'd stopped working for him, when I wrote my first book and went to him to ask him to write the forward, by which time James was a billionaire and a sir, he just said yes immediately. Yeah. 
And that is my point about being kind and being decent and, and wanting to build lifelong relationships, not one-off financial remuneration. Yeah, so true. But you did mention that you've had some strategies in your life as well. Like it's not all good opportunities and you've taken advantage. There have been things that have hit you from the side and thrown you off everything you've been doing. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, I, I don't talk about it very often, but it's, it's not that I'm not public about it. But I lost my son's dad, my partner, when my son was only three and a half. And, you know, the truth is that kind of loss at such a young age has an impact on, on you that you just cannot even comprehend. And the truth is, I think I probably suffered from PTSD because I have a two-year period where I have no memories. I literally have no memories what happened after the first two years. I have no idea what happened. And then from there, I kind of, it just took so much time to really get back to being myself. Like, I think, honestly, it took me eight years. Hmm. Did you feel you had to, like, rebuild your courage or get your ambition back when you have such a huge thing happen to you? Yeah, I think courage is such an important thing. Actually, it's going to be the topic of my next book. I think that what happened was I got stuck into... I didn't want to take any risks. I just wanted to get through the day. And then the day I just wanted to get through the week and the week I just wanted to get through the month. And that was my only focus is from one day to the next to the next. And so I, I'll be honest, I stayed doing something and in a job and doing work that I didn't really want to do, but it paid my bills and I had a healthy salary and it meant I could take care of my son. And, you know, my partner had no life insurance and there was nothing. So I just suddenly found myself responsible for everything by myself. And so that situation when I look back on it I don't really think it was the money because my whole entire life you know I grew up very poor I've had nothing money is nice to have but it's never been my single driver and equally I'm never afraid of it either so when I look back on it I think I just didn't have the courage to do anything different I just don't think I had the capacity to do anything different does that make sense yeah that makes sense and once you had that you found yourself, basically your courage and ambition back, and then you did another restart. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll tell this story very quickly. What happened was I had got the front cover of my second book, Do Less, Get More, came through, and I was on a long weekend with my friend in Portugal, and she said to me, oh my God, you're so happy. I said, yeah, like, I love the cover. I'm so happy with it, and I've signed this book deal with Penguin. I mean, you know, who doesn't, who's not going to be happy with that, right? And then she said, I don't get it. Why don't you do this full time? Like, why don't you do this? What you, you, you know, you're writing, you're creating your workshops, you're teaching. Why don't you do this full time? You've always wanted to do it. Why don't you do it? And before I could think about it, I said, um, because creative people can't make real money because that was a false belief that I'd had all this time. But me being me, in the next 15 minutes, I opened up my laptop. I resigned from my own company. I resigned from two foot C250 board directorships where I was the only female because I realized I was only doing those things to tick a box because I felt it validated me. It made me good enough when actually really I didn't want to do it. And I didn't really want to be running the company that I was running, even though it was my company. I had outside investors, a board of directors, all trying to drive me in one direction. I told them about online courses. I'd taken it to the board meeting. And I was told that this was like an ego trip for me and nobody was really going to buy online courses. And like, it was really like dismissive. Like nobody's going to buy online courses. and really sure you're only doing it because it's like something, it's a pet project for you. So I just literally in 15 minutes from Portugal, I resigned from everything, all my salary, everything. I had no income. That's it. I had three months to figure it out or not. And that was it. So January 2015, I launched under my own brand name. We had no 
I had no prior experience. I had no staff. I had no marketing list. I had no Facebook group. I had no Facebook. I mean, I had nothing, nothing, nothing. I had no marketing budget. I had nothing. And we've built up that in three years to, you know, just shy of three million turnover. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, from your back garden. Yeah. It's an amazing story. It's when you kind of, in this moment of decision making, it doesn't take long. Uh, Split second, Tony Robbins. (laughs) You have to get to that moment, Sigrun, right? And that's what part of my next book about. So my next book is called How to Fix Your Shit Once and For All. And part of it is saying, how do you get to that moment? How can I help you, the reader, get to that moment where you make that decision, whether it's to stop smoking, to lose weight, to get a divorce, to leave your job, to start a business. There are things that we all want to do. And fortunately, most of us end up doing them. But if we were honest, we're five years later than we wanted to be in doing it. So how can I help you move through those five years in five days? Because the moment that you get to that point, as you said, in that moment, 15 minutes, that was it. I burned every bridge. Because that's another fallacy. People tell you don't burn your bridges. No, burn all your bridges. Because then the only way you've got is to go forwards. Yeah, because if there's no plan B, you will make plan A work. Exactly. So when you started your online business, you could also go back to some of the people you had connected with before. It's not the same as starting from zero, although, yeah, maybe financially, but not in terms of networking. No one that I was connected to had any clue about what I was doing. They were, I mean, for my books, I could go back to James Dyson and ask him to write the forward for sure. That's great. And I and I had loads of stuff like that that helped me on the book side. But on the business side, I didn't know a single person who was involved in this space. No one. But then came my opportunities. So I'll share this with you quickly. Okay, and I actually came through my books because what happened was my agent happens to be Brendan Bouchard's agent. So he connected us and Brendan was coming to the UK to do an event. So Brendan asked me to speak at his event. Now, when he asked me to speak at his event, I naturally said, yes, I've done a lot of public speaking. So I was happy to do that. But when he asked me, what was I going to sell? I assumed that he meant my books. I thought he meant, are you going to bring your books to sell? Because I'd never been to a, an event like this before. So I didn't realize that you know, at least half the speakers will have their own products or workshops or services to share with the audience and, you know, sell to people who are interested. It was a week before the event when it dawned on me on a Zoom call like this or a Skype call when he said, well, I don't understand what you're selling. I said, well, my books. He went, oh my God, you actually don't understand. I was like, no, what? And then he told me, I was like, okay, don't worry. I've got it handled. And so I had a week to create a two-day event I did that and the response was incredible. We sold, I think, 300,000 pounds worth of workshops from the first time I'd ever sold anything from stage. And that really made a massive difference, not just financially, but it catapulted me in a way that I think would have been so much harder if that hadn't happened. But going back to being nice and kind and decent, all of these things, if I hadn't been like that with my agent, my agent, my agent represents those people, trust me. I am the smallest, most insignificant of his clients possible. Like, like in comparison to the other people he represents, you can't even see me. But I appreciate him, right? I really appreciate him. So because of that, because of our relationship, he was prepared to, you know, put his neck on the line and say to Brendan, no, listen, she's good. Go try her out. She's good. And that's really important because you never know who's going to open doors and opportunities for you. 
That's so true. It's also what Lewis Howe said, always offer people how you can help them versus ask them what you can get from them. Yeah, totally, always. And more will come back to you. The more you give, the more you get. So how, when you say you've grown so fast in only shy of uh, three years or so, you have a team now that helps you run the business. What type of programs do you have? I have, of course, what's your website? I'm thinking more for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. We cover, we really believe our focus is helping you grow an online business. And so we, are, we have just launched in beta and we'll launch uh, the full program in May, a coaching program called The Program. And it is actually going to become the only thing that we do outside of our digital launches. So it'll be a 12-month coaching program that will be ongoing. It'll be a rolling coaching program. And it will really be for entrepreneurs who are a year, two years, maybe even five years in, and they've hit the plateau and they want to kick it up a gear. And they really want the ongoing support from helping to build funnels to webinars and how do you convert more people. And we mix it up by having three two-day events in London where we meet together live. So uh, we do three two-day events. And then we're doing super cool things, like we call them influencer dinners, where we're bringing in people like my friend Todd Herman or Stu McLaren. And we're bringing these guys in to have really super exclusive private dinners with everybody who's on the program. And um, this is where I actually do my coaching work inside the group coaching. I, I rarely do any one-to-one -one work uh, now anymore. In fact, I think I work with four, maybe five people a year, one-to-one, -one, and that's it. Because what I've realized is that I really love doing one-to-one -one work, but it has to be a certain type of person who's already at that level for me to be able to really be of, of the biggest benefit to them but also for me to enjoy the process of working with that person. So the program is really the precursor to anything that I would ever do one-to-one. -one. And so the program gives us an opportunity. I go in every single week and I teach live every week inside the group. So it will be either live training or a live Q&A or a hot seat or a mastermind. And then, uh, and then we do breakfast meetings. So it's a real mix of what I think is so important, as much as I live in this online world, is actually having the opportunity a few times a year to actually be in person with other people. I think that's crucial. Um, so that's really our core focus. And then we'll do three digital launches a year. And we've got really good at doing digital launches. Like, like we love doing digital launches. <laughs> and that took time too. The first time we did it, we messed it up, the technology. We didn't really understand our rhythm. And now we found our rhythm and what works for us. And that's something that we teach people inside the program, you know, because the truth is you can have one really good launch and it can, it can make you as much money as you made an entire year last year. But it's also work. Let me just also be clear. Like, don't, don't think that a launch is like the answer to everything. Or the other thing is I'm a big believer in membership size. And, but what goes wrong is when people think, oh, the launch is my answer. A membership site is my answer. No, you are your answer. And you have to figure out the right elements to do in your business first. And we've, you, I think of it like building blocks. You know, we, we put building blocks in. And as we're growing, we are like building on those blocks. And sometimes the truth is, we have to pull a block out like Jenga and hope that everything doesn't fall over and replace it with something else. And that's part of your growth as a business. You also got uh, an honor from the queen. Yeah. <laughs> Explain to us uh, non-UK people what that is. So I got something called an MBE and it stands for a member of the British Empire, which I have to say sounds super colonial and a little bit, oh, I don't know if it really fits with my morals, the whole empire thing, but it is a really big honor. And what it is, is it's to recognize people who have done extraordinary work in certain sectors. And for me, it was as a recognition for um, 
my role in supporting business and entrepreneurship in the UK. So yeah, I was really, really proud. Yeah, I have to say I was. Yes, yes. And you can be. It sounds really cool. <laughs> it is. The trip to the palace. I mean, who doesn't want to do that, right? <laughs> so how big is your team when you have already grown so fast in three years? So one, two, three, uh, four people full-time. That's not true. Three people full-time and three people part-time. So it's small still, super small. We're, we're a lean team. I mean, we do outsource stuff. We outsource web stuff. We outsource um, some parts of our technology. So yeah. You still work from home or do you have a... I've got a beautiful house on Greenwich Park, which is a beautiful park in London. So if I look this way, I can see the park. And if I look that way, I can see my garden. And at the end of my garden, we have a beautiful office. It spans the whole width of the garden. It's got great big, huge, open sliding glass doors. You know, this is how I always wanted to work. So I have to be grateful. This is very much living your dream. Yeah. So what do you say to the single mothers out there? that think they cannot create what you have created? Why not? Like, why do you think you can't? I mean, I'm not the only one who's done it. Every time we have a limiting belief, the most important thing to do is to go and prove that it's not true. So whether you use me as an example or the 101 or 1,001 other single women out there, single mothers out there who are doing this, just find those people so that your brain says, hold on a second, that can't be true because that person and that person and that person has done it. And this is why I've always believed, I've always been a big believer in thinking to myself, if there's something I want and somebody else has it, then so can I. Not because I'm going to take it away from them, but because I'm going to learn from them what they did and how they did it. Because if someone can have it, I can have it too. I just need to learn how to do it. That's all you need to do. All you need to do is called mirroring and modeling. Go look at what somebody else is doing and model what they're doing and model how they've done it. Is it going to be easy? Probably not. Was it easy for me? Hell no. But was it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. What a perfect ending to a wonderful interview. It's been so nice to get to know you, Shah. I know you're a very busy woman. Time to get back to work. And thank you for being on the show. And we will include in the show notes, link back to your website uh, so people can find you online because maybe you are hearing about Shah for the first time, like I heard about you first time for about three years ago. I, probably I was one of the like early adopters. <laughs> And Shah, I hope to connect again soon. Good luck with your book and let me know when it's out. I'm definitely going to read it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much for listening to me. Want to know the secret behind my multi-million dollar lifestyle business? Go to sigrun.com forward slash 167 to find out more. There you'll also find the show notes of this episode and links to Shah Vasmund. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.